If there are some questions or comments about any of this that I share, you'll have the opportunity this afternoon during our meeting, or if you just want to uh, contact me this week. Back in August, I did something like this too, and we just think you need to be in the know as to how things are going and how you can be praying. If you are new, this will give you a little idea of some things going on and what we're thinking about as well. Back in August, I mentioned that 2016 had been a hard year, largely because we lost a lot of key people and key leaders. Some died, some moved away, and it just seemed like it all hit last year. We lost three elders, and it affected our volunteerism, our giving, uh, took a hit, attendance dropped uh, some, but God has provided, we survived, and we've seen more people step up, some of you helped to fill in the gaps, and we just continue to see good things happen, like especially with our youth and children. Uh, new people are attending. We have some discipling groups going on. Uh, Sunday school is healthy. We have some really good teachers. Connecting spot during the week has been a hit. We just have a lot to be thankful for. So big picture, we're a blessed church, and personally, Ellen and I feel blessed to have been here the past seven and a half years. Our mission is love God, love people, and reach the world. And that mission comes from our president not Donald Trump. It comes from Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what Jesus told us. You love God first. There is nothing more important in life because if you don't get that right, nothing else will be right. And it's not just believing in God. A lot of people believe in God. It is loving God. And that is so critical. Second, love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. And last week we talked about how our calling is to see growth in others. Our calling is not self-fulfillment. Now, self-fulfillment will come as we see growth in others and as we love God. So it'll happen, but that's not our calling. And then the Great Commission is to reach the world, make disciples, reach out to this globe. And that mission will not change because Jesus Christ is not going to change, and He's given it to us. And it's not an easy mission uh, because it goes counter to everything around us. Jesus is commanding us to be different from this world. And when we serve together as a church, it helps us to encourage one another. And when we serve together, it's also when we'll see some amazing things happen. Now, I do some regular reading on what makes for a healthy church. And here's just a few observations from my reading that I've made over the years. First of all, healthy churches have community-focused ministries. They intentionally do things outside the four walls. In unhealthy churches, there is no attempt to reach the community. Our facilities have been really a wonderful tool for this. Uh, the school uses our Family Life Center quite often. We have fifth quarters here, so we'll have 100 teenagers here on a Friday night. Uh, we had the high school play, the spring play in here last, year, last spring, and we're going to do it again this spring. Uh, we have individual teachers from the school and classes use our building. We have Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. AA meets here. Uh, we've also done some work at the school that gets outside of these walls in the summer. You see the picture there. We do benevolence, helping with others. Every Christmas, you help provide gifts for school kids. Big Wednesday is outward focused. Our youth meetings are VBS. We just need to keep thinking outside the church box. People are lost, and they need the good news of Jesus Christ. Second, healthy churches use a percentage of their budget for outside the church. We've listed our missionaries there for you. See, in most dying churches, more and more goes for us. And it's the difference between a mission church and an institutional church. We want to be a mission church that goes into all the world, and our missionaries are one way that we do it. This next year, by the way, we're going to have the world come to us in the form of an 
Uganda Children's Choir on a Sunday morning in June. There's mission trips, work trips, also are part of our going beyond the walls. Third, healthy churches have an evangelistic emphasis. We want people to experience God for eternity. We want people to have confidence that when they die, they are going to be with Jesus. In unhealthy churches, the members have lost that passion. And they have arguments about what they want and their preferences. And they argue over petty things. And the inward focus of the church becomes caustic. Arguments become more frequent. Business meetings become more acrimonious. But healthy churches don't have time for that petty stuff. There's marriages that are struggling. There's people outside of Christ and children in tough situations. And it's these bigger issues that dominate healthy churches. They're concerned about people's eternal destiny. Fourth, healthy churches make prayer central. They know that prayer is the power of God, and that's what brings growth in life. Healthy churches do not just pray for sick people, although that's very important. They don't just pray for family and friends, although those are important. But they also pray for the mission of the church, and they pray for the lost, and they pray for their neighbors. They pray for eternal matters. They pray for missionaries. They offer opportunities for prayer on Sunday morning. Healthy churches believe God will act when his people pray. Healthy churches are generous. They know that their money will be used by God for some good things, and God will bless, and we have some very generous people here. These are the people who know to lay up treasure in heaven and not on earth. And we want everyone to experience the joy and excitement that generation generosity brings to life and how God can bless. And healthy churches are big into discipleship. Jesus commanded, go and make disciples. That is our calling Go and make committed followers of Jesus Christ. The word carries the idea of a learner, someone who's growing and learning and following him. And that's one reason I nag you about getting into a group or getting into a Sunday school. Rob Powell and I have started a couple of discipleship groups during the Sunday school hour just for that. So we want you to become a stronger, more committed, more excited, more devoted follower of Jesus because that's why we exist, to make disciples. So specifically, let me talk about 2017, the future. One thing we want to look at is a possible midweek worship service this summer. We're thinking we might do this on an experimental basis for a few weeks, see how it goes, because Sundays are more and more just another day in our culture. There's no more blue laws in our society where all the stores shut down. Today, there's work, there's sports, there's practices, there's recital and, and recitals. And part of me doesn't want to cave in on this, but it's just reality. Sunday is no longer sacred. So if we do this midweek service, we'll have communion and offering and sermon and music and all that. It might be a little different because it can be much smaller and probably much more informal. And I'm using the word possible because it will take more resources from our staff and from volunteers. And to be honest, I'm not sure we should do this. But we're thinking about it. We would want to throw this out for you to be giving us feedback if you'd be interested in that. Uh, we want you to pray about it and let us know what you think. If we don't hear much about it, then we'll kind of know, well, that's not a good idea. But we're thinking this summer, experimental. Uganda Children's Choir is going to be here the last weekend in June. Both services on a Sunday morning will take a love offering. I think they will inspire you. It's another way of get us thinking outside the four walls and bringing some of the world to us that Sunday. We're going to have a men and boys canoe and camping trip the last weekend in June. We're hoping some guys who are not part of the church will go as well as some of you. 
We'll get more information to you in the coming weeks. That's June 23rd through the 25th. Summer work project at one of the schools. We've done this the past three years, and it, the schools really appreciate it. It's helped to build a really good relationship with the schools. But let me say this about this. Last summer, we did not get as much adult participation as we had the previous couple summers. And if we don't get a little bit of participation, we may not do this. So this is somewhat up to you. I think it's a great witness to our community to do something uh, in the community, but we can't just have a few staff members and high school students and Angie Ford and her family carrying the burden, okay? So if you have suggestions, you know, let us know some things we could do at the schools or if you are willing to help. Courageous Men's Group is starting this week, this Wednesday. It is for parents, men and women both, and we'd like to have some older people in there also to share their wisdom. So anyone can come to this. The focus on this is the movie Courageous and to get men to be godly leaders in the home. And they need some encouragement. And it's eight weeks long starting this Wednesday. And you can put that, mark that on your bulletin if you're interested. And we'll get you information. We have two Roman study groups on Sunday mornings. I mentioned Rob Powell and I started these. They're a little different from the Sunday school teacher-led class. They're homework-based classes where the students get into the Word during the week and then come and bring the results and, the, and study it on Sunday morning. One of the keys to discipleship is daily time in the Word and prayer, and that's what these study groups are aiming to do, to get people in the Word regularly. Another pretty big change is no big Wednesday meals. Garrett already mentioned that. Big Wednesday meals used to be an outreach. They used to be family-oriented where the whole family would come in and eat together and kind of rub shoulders with other families. Michael Wakeman said he would not be in this church if it were not for those meals. That's really what got him going. And today, he's an elder. So they really did have an outreach purpose at one time, but that is not the case anymore. Very few families come. They just basically drop the kids off, and, and so we'll have 75, 80 kids eating there in a, some kind of a chaotic mess. <laughs> and we just have to recognize that the culture changes. And when the culture changes, our methods have to change. And sometimes you have to admit that a really good program has run its course. So we're not going to have meals, uh, this spring anyway, and if it totally flops, we can go back to them again in the fall. So that's another change. We have a preaching intern this spring, Patrick Crawford. And today is, yes, or this week was his first week. Where are you, Patrick? Would you stand up? We want to see. He's a good-looking young man. Thank you. He's a senior at Lincoln Christian University. He'll be with us until April 30th. Uh, he will be preaching a couple times for us. He'll be involved in other aspects of the church and some teaching and working with youth and calling and doing some leadership lessons for our, for our leaders. He is also the student president at over LCU currently and just a really outstanding young man. He is from Raymond, Illinois, went to Raymond Lincolnwood High School, whom we happened to defeat last night. <laughs> he's a major, he's a preaching major at LCU with a minor in spiritual formation, and I think you'll really appreciate him. Mother's Day brunch. We want to do something a little more special for mothers this year. The last few years, we focused on fathers. This year's mothers. So, guys, we're going to call on you to help with this in the kitchen and in serving. It should be really special. It can be an outreach to invite 
you know, moms maybe they don't go to church. We've already asked Deanne Mott to speak for this, so it should be very nice. And just the continued emphasis on outreach. We just need to keep inviting friends and neighbors to worship, praying for the lost, witnessing, striking up conversations with people that, and leading them in somehow towards God. Uh, we're going to have a bowling day in late February. That would be a chance to invite anyone who likes bowling. Connecting Spot has been an outreach. People have invited for that. Big Wednesday, of course, youth, fifth quarters. So many people in our community need Christ. And I just ache when I see so many are outside of Christ in his church. Another issue we want to address this next year is our deacons and ministry leaders. Right now, we have deacons that are affirmed by the congregation, voted on, and then we have ministry leaders that are not voted on by the congregation. And right now, our deacons are these four that we have up on the board for you. We're hoping Tracy Dyer will not be a deacon after today. He'll be an elder. Uh, And one of the things we have to deal with, what is the biblical role of a deacon? What do they do? We know what elders do. It's very clear in the Bible. They're responsible for directing the affairs of the church. They're overseers. They're the shepherds. Uh, They're examples of the flock. But deacons, nowhere in the Bible does it say what they're supposed to do. We read about this group called deacons, but it never says what their responsibilities are. Well, the word deacon comes from the Greek word diakonos, which can be translated servant or minister. And many times it just refers to regular servants or, or slaves. When Jesus turned the water into wine, his mother instructed the servants or the diakonos of the house to do whatever Jesus told them to do. In some of his parables, parables Jesus talked about good diakonos and bad diakonos, just good servants and bad. Well, then there's times where God used the word to describe Every Christian, all Christians are to be diakonos or servants of God and others. In Matthew 20, Jesus said, if anyone wants to be great in his kingdom, they must become the servant or the diakonos of all. So we're all servants and ministers and deacons. But then there's a few, very few texts that talk about a specific group of servants, and we transliterate it deacon from diakonos. It can also be translated servant or minister. And these texts do not tell us what they're to do. They're just there. So in some churches, they say, well, we'll have the deacons serve communion and take up the offering. Well, I don't see that in the Bible. Other churches make them part of a church board where elders and deacons together make decisions. But biblically, elders are to be the overseers and the shepherds, not the deacons. And I've been in churches where elders and deacons comprise a board, and almost always it's a mess. Because the elders will think, we need to go a certain direction, but then the deacons will come in and out both the elders, and that kind of setup just leads to conflict. And there's absolutely no record of scriptures of deacons ever deciding church polity, nor is there any church board in scripture. By definition, the word deacon means servant. And servants don't make policy. They carry it out. Some scholars believe, and this is where I tend to lean, that deacons were to assist the elders in their work. I think that makes the most sense. In Acts 7, we have a hint of that, where there was a need in the church, and so the apostles and elders set aside seven men to take care of that need. They were selected to take care of the needs of some widows that were being neglected, and their task was called a diakonia, or a service. They were deaconing these widows, serving them. 
They didn't make policy for the church. They didn't vote on anything. They just stepped up and took responsibility, making sure widows got food. And that's how we treat our deacons and ministry leaders today. They step up and take responsibility for some area of need in the church. And we have some really good deacons. They do their responsibility. But we also have this group called ministry leaders, and they are also very important, and we have a list of them up there for you. Each one of those individuals is a servant or a minister or a diakonos. They carry out ministries. Now, here's where we're going to ask you to make a change. What is the difference between a ministry leader and a deacon? We've got the deacons, okay, and they all have their area of responsibility as well, just like our ministry leaders. And what we're thinking of doing is calling all of our deacons and ministry leaders just ministry leaders and doing away with that divide between these two groups. We think ministry leader is a better word than deacon because deacon kind of sounds like a position of authority uh, because of cultural understandings of church boards in the past. But ministry leader is someone who does a ministry, a service, in an area of responsibility that they lead much like the seven men in Acts 6. They're both ministers and leaders, servants with responsibility. In Acts 6, the seven were chosen because they were known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. So these need to be godly people. And it says that the word of God spread because of their work. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith because they were ministering in an effective way. Now, I spent a lot of time on that. Here's what we're saying. To be more biblical, we're going to ask for your approval to change the bylaws. To read that instead of elders and deacons, we have elders and ministry leaders. We believe ministry leader is a better description than deacon. And it gets rid of the confusion of the difference between deacons and ministry leaders that we have right now. So everyone would be a ministry leader. We're going to have a congregational later meeting later this year, so we're not going to be voting on this today. Let me talk about money. We love this topic. Dennis Wilhelm will give a more complete report this afternoon, but for now, uh, as many of you know, last year we fell behind by quite a bit for the first half of the year because we'd lost some of our very best givers, and some of our most generous people died or moved away. And so we let you know about this in August, and things were slipping, and many responded. Some gave one-time larger gifts. Some increased their giving. We also decided to limit fundraisers because a number of people were diverting their giving from the general fund to that fundraiser. Let me just say this. I don't like asking for money. I mean, trust me on that. But we do have to be a congregation of good stewards. Jesus talked about it all the time because he knew That's where your heart is going to be, where your treasure is. And people can talk all they want about loving Jesus and believing in Jesus, but it's not real until there's some concrete action. And we are called to give of our whole lives, including our finances, because God gave. And so we want to be healthy financially, and God wants us to handle money wisely and generously. That's why we offer uh, the Dave Ramsey course once in a while, because we want us to be complete and whole in how we handle finances. Let me mention one thing we need. We just need consistency. For most, it's a lot easier to give regularly, like clockwork. I mean, it's easier to give $100 a week than to try to make it up with the one lump sum three months later, okay? And the amount will be different. I just, okay, it might be $50, it might be $250, whatever. Some of you cannot be here every Sunday, but the work of the church goes on every Sunday. 
week in and week out. We have automatic withdrawal option. We have those at the tables. You want to pick up the form to do that. It's pretty simple. And, and I'll just be honest, 2017 has not started out great, as you can probably see in the bulletin this morning. And we do not want to have to come back in a few months and do major plea again. I'll just say if everyone just tithed, did 10% to God, it'd be fine. And God, God tells us, try me. See if I won't pour out blessing on you. And he also says one reason you're not being blessed is because you don't tithe. You're under a curse. He said that to the people of Israel. And I've always been afraid to not tithe because I don't want to be under God's curse. And so we would love to see God bless everyone as you bless his work, try him. It doesn't have to be to the church, but 10% to God's work somewhere, somehow. Let me say a little bit about our new elders. Uh, I mentioned we'd lost three good elders over the past year. So we're a little thin here, but we are excited about two possible new elders, Ryan Mott and Tracy Dyer. They're fine men. Now, that picture of Tracy uh, is not the best picture of him. He's actually much better looking than that. But anyway, um, Ryan and Tracy are not perfect. I think their wives would probably confirm that. But they are devoted to Jesus. They're devoted to the kingdom. They are good examples. Um, I think they're the kind of guys that we want leading the church. In 1 Corinthians 4, we have a job description for church leadership. It says, this is how one should regard us, speaking of leaders, as servants of Christ. That's what we want as elders. Servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries or managers of the ways of God. It is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Elders are servants. They're going to be judged by God. And it is required that they be found faithful. And that is one of the key characteristics traits. Are they faithful? Can you count on them in thick and thin? Do they love the word and love the Lord and will they persevere? We believe that, exp- that describes these two guys. Huge responsibility. And when we select elders, I ask myself these four questions. Number one, do I want my son or daughter to learn from this person? Do I want my kids to be like him or her? I even ask, do I want my kids to be like their kids? Number two, do I want this church to exhibit his or her attitude and his character? And number three, do I personally want to be influenced by this person? Because they will. And number four, do we want the church to look like them? Because that's what the church generally will become. What the leaders are, the church will become. And and we are excited about Tracy and Ryan joining the elders that we already have. Uh, We have good unity and I just believe they do fulfill the biblical model of an elder. This afternoon, we're going to give you a chance to answer questions, but right now, I want you to stand up, and I want you to do something with me. Stand up, please. <clears throat> this is going to be my closing prayer uh, for this sermon. Raise your hands to the Lord. We're praying to the Lord, okay? Oh, Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for His church. Thank you for Mount Pulaski Christian Church. Thank you for our elders. Thank you for our teachers. Thank you for our trustees. For our deacons and ministry leaders. For our volunteers. We ask you to work in us. Make us a light to the world. Guide us and bless us. us us. 
May we honor you. you. Amen. Amen. Thank you.